0: Their mess, the fact that they were a drunk and an alcoholic at one time, their actual mess that they think is why they're disqualified is the actual thing that qualified them to help my family. And so, mm-hmm. so many people listening to me, why me? I don't have this or that. You'd be surprised that life experience that's just unique to you combined with your gifts, your experiences, your traits, your heart uniquely qualifies you in a way that you can't even imagine. To change someone else's life, just like whoever this beautiful soul is that helped my dad. I'm Amy
1: Porterfield, ex corporate girl turned CEO of a multi seven figure business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, the budget, and the time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life you love, you're in the right place, friend. Let's get started. Hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. And if this is your first time here, welcome. You'll find that on the show, we talk about entrepreneurship, growing and scaling your online business and step-by-step online marketing strategies that you can implement right away. I'm all about going before you, learning the hard lessons, perfecting the craft, and then sharing what worked best with you so that you can skip the frustration and heartache and go right to the success. And while we talk about all those fantastic things, we also talk about mindset and habits that help us grow and expand as an entrepreneur and just as a really good human. And today, that's exactly what we're going to do. My guest is a very special guy. He's going to serve up a dose of high-quality coaching that will help us build happiness and success simultaneously. His name is Ed Milet, and he's one of the top business leaders In the world today, a bestselling author, peak performance expert, a global keynote speaker, and host of the Ed Milet Show, which is a top-rated business podcast on Apple. So today we're talking about strategies that will help you move closer and closer to achieving the goals and the dreams that you have. We're also going to talk about removing roadblocks to get to those dreams and habits that you want to possess as a stellar, thriving entrepreneur. Now, my favorite part of this interview is that Ed is a really step-by-step, tangible, detailed, process-oriented guy, and you're gonna see that in everything he teaches. Actually, I say that's my favorite part, but I've already recorded this interview, so sometimes I need to do the intro afterwards just to make sure I'm saying what feels right for the interview. It was just a really special interview. This man has heart. He cares deeply. I didn't know that he had the fierce faith that he has. So that was new to me in this interview and was really fun to watch that come about through everything he shared. And in addition to that, he's really humble. And I shared something in this interview that I actually didn't want to admit. And when I did, he's like, oh gosh, I've so been there. I can relate. And I just forget that it's so nice to hear you're not alone in your insecurities and your challenges. So I consider Ed a very good friend, and I feel very, very grateful that he came on the show. I hope you're going to love this episode as much as I did, and let's go ahead and dive in. My brand voice guide is my business's north star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Well, hey there, Ed. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
0: I'm honored. I'm so grateful you're doing this with me. So thank you. It's going to be great 30 minutes we're going to spend together.
1: Well, I feel grateful too. I'm a big fan of everything you do. And we were talking before the show, we haven't seen each other forever. The last time was at Rachel Hollis's event behind uh in the green room behind the scenes. Yeah. And do you remember we were talking about, I was taking my mom to Paris yep. and we were talking about like taking a parent on a trip, just the two of us and how both of us were like, that's such a cool concept.
0: Yes. I very much remember it because I wanted to take my dad golfing in Ireland. That's one of the things that was on my That's mind then. Right, And it kind of leads to why I wrote the book is that my dad passed away hmm. um, about a year ago in October and I didn't get the chance. He just didn't get healthy enough for me to be able to take him. And I, candidly, I've reflected on that conversation you and I have had probably more than 100 times. Wow. Yeah. I've thought about it a lot.
1: It's, it's a special thing and, and time goes by so quickly. And I think about that with my mom and dad. Who knows how long I have with yeah. them. And so those special moments. But what I loved most, I, it breaks my heart that you didn't get the opportunity. But out of everyone in that room, you and I like had this great conversation and you're like, that's so important. And when I went on the trip with my mom, it was more special because you were in my ear like, oh, wow. this is an important time, like be present. Yeah, so, so you gave I'm me so, a gift.
0: I'm so glad you did that. And I had a lot of those trips with my dad. Thank God. Thank the other God. thing I remember about that day, I have to tell you, is how much you crushed it that day. Uh, And I remember I remember you coming back. You're like me. You're like, how did I do? Did I do okay? Uh, Could I've been better. I'm like, no, you slayed it. But I'm exactly (laughs) the same way. Always like, what did I do wrong? You know, I got this. Oh, always. I'm so hard on myself. And I kind of love that you were too, because I think it helps us get better as long as we enjoy doing it.
1: It's so true. It's so true. And I love the feedback, especially when when you're around your peers who get on stage all the time. You're like, tell me all the things that I could yep. do better. So yep. I'm all for it. But I it was a fun thing. day. I hope we find ourselves in the green room again soon. I do too. Future. Very
0: much so. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It's me too, me too infrequent.
1: Good, good times. Well... You wrote a book. We're going to talk about it. Congratulations. This is very, very exciting. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get into the book. But I I actually, I want to talk about some of the the themes throughout the book and some things that showed up. But uh, you talked a little bit about why you wrote the book. But let's just start out with like, what's it about? You know, why is it important? Why now? Like, what's going on with that?
0: Well, the premise of the book, it's called The Power of One More, and the premise of the book is that there's a few premises, but the main one is that you're a lot closer to the life that you want, that you envision, than you think you are. And I think most people think they're far away. Most people don't lack vision. There's the scripture everyone quotes where there's no vision, the people will perish. But I think if you dig deeper, the truth is people do have some kind of a vision. They know how they want to feel. They know how they want to look. They kind of know what stuff they'd like to have or the relationships. The thing is, it's a depth perception issue. They think they're so far away that they have a pattern of behavior that keeps it so far away. And it's, it's a fallacy. The truth is that you are one relationship, one decision, one meeting, one podcast, one book, one event, one thought, one emotion, potentially away from a completely different life. And I'm the product in my life of many one mores. One of them, why I wrote the book, my dad died. I was raised by an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic first 15 years of my life. And ironically, my dad got sober on 420, which is only my dad would get sober on 420. (laughs) But my dad had tried to get sober many times, Amy. And finally, he gave it one more try. I have a chapter in the book on one more try. And I said, dad, what's going to be different this time? He was crying. And he said, "Uh, I'm going to lose my family. Mm. And you and your sisters deserve a dad you can be proud of. Your mom deserves a husband she could respect. And these one more, because I'm going to give it one more try. And then when he got sober, I said, daddy, are you going to stay sober forever? And he goes, I don't know. I'm going to stay sober for one more day at a time. And so these themes of one more is when I've thought about quitting businesses, I have even when my my, my wife, as you know, in elementary school and we started dating in high school, when you're together 35 years, not every single moment of those 35 years is perfect. And in those moments when we were close to not being together, like dating, I remember just saying, I'm going to go one more day. I'm not going to quit this for one more day. And I've just realized the power of what one more in my life has done. And then the last thing I'll say is I just wanted to write a book before I've realized when my dad passed away, I'm next. Hopefully it's 80 years from now, but it could be eight years from now. It could be eight weeks from now. And I wanted to write a book about everything I've learned about how to be happier and more successful. The only criticism I have of the book, I'm being honest with you, is it's very heavy meaning it's very okay. tactical, it's very detailed
1: okay and but you're speaking my nonsense. language that's how that's how I do everything and that's I know people you people on this show love that yeah. so be as detailed or tactical as you want
0: okay yeah because yeah. it's deep I, it's a broad application to everything from how to be a better mother or husband or father to athlete to entrepreneur to emotions that you want in your life it's got a lot of broad applications so it's it's deep but I'm glad it is because you know what uh, the older I get I realize I don't know that much but what I do know I know. And so I put it in one book and, and it's in there.
1: Oh, fantastic. When you were talking about that one more thing, my husband is sober. He was sober before I met him, but it's a big part of his life. Wonderful. And so he he also subscribes to that way of thinking, like just, just one more day. Yes. And when our son was really little, you know, uh, I used to live in San Diego, so not far from you. Yeah. and. When Cade was about six years old, he played his first uh, Pop Warner flag football game and mm-hmm. cried throughout the entire thing. Like we were kind of embarrassed. Mm-hmm. He was a big baby. Oh. And he was, um when he came <laughs> home, we were like, oh, geez, we thought we'd have an athlete on our hands. And yeah. he came home and he was crying and he's like, dad, I don't want to play football anymore. Mm-hmm. And Hobie told him just one more day. We'll, d- yeah. we'll just, we'll get up tomorrow. We'll just do mm-hmm. one more day. I and he played that. all through high school. So, oh, I love that. Yeah. I love, I love that. that. Uh, idea of just just one day at a time, one more day. So yeah, it, and it's you know, powerful.
0: You know, and Amy too. You said something so profound earlier. If you want to know the power of doing one more, what if I took the opportunity from you to have it? You yes. Would what, what I? You then you understand how precious having one more is. What I wouldn't give for one more trip with my dad. Right. What I wouldn't give for one more conversation with my dad. I'd give anything. I'd cut off an arm to have one more conversation, one more round of golf with my dad. And so I, that helped me because my dad had cancer for eight years. And when he first got cancer, Amy, he said, I'll go through treatment one time and ended up being eight years of chemo, radiation, surgery, uh, proton. And I asked him when he kept going through it, and I say, dad, why are you doing this? You know, he said you wouldn't. And he goes, you know, maybe I can get to one more high school football game with my grandson. Maybe, uh, I'll, make, maybe I'll make one more wedding. And so when you can lose it, the power, the impact, the preciousness of having one more it becomes, it dawns on you. And then the opportunity every day to do little one more is one more rep, one more marketing piece, one more phone call. People ask me all the time, how do you get more self-confidence? I have a whole chapter in the book on it. And I say, listen, you don't always get your goals in life, but you are going to get your standards eventually. And the reason I'm in personal development is I needed to learn these things to become a baseline functioning person. Being a child of an alcoholic drug addict, you, you don't have a lot of confidence. And I had to learn these things. And then I got addicted to it. I'm like, wow, I could build something. And Self-confidence, I've often said, is the process of keeping the promises you make to yourself. It's a, it's a reputation you have with yourself that I keep the promises I make. And then I thought, well, if that gets me confident, what could make me almost superhuman? And it was doing one more than I promised myself. So if I'm going to make, if I'm going to tell my daughter I love her today, I'm going to tell her one more time. If I'm going to do 30 minutes on the treadmill, I'm doing 31 minutes. If I'm going to make 10 phone calls today for business, I'm going to make 11. And so not only did I start keeping the promises to myself, which I had never done before, I started exceeding it with a standard of one more. And I built a whole brand new identity and confidence in myself by doing that.
1: Oh, I'm absolutely going to try that. I, I created a goal this year of I need, I'm going to be true to my word. Whatever I say mm-hmm. I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And I love that you said that leads to more self-confidence because I can actually, I can <laughs> see that for sure. Yeah. But I can add on just a little extra each time yes. um, for a new identity. I love that. But some people are listening right now and a lot of my audience are just getting started in their business. They're doing their first digital course launch. They're sure. launching their first podcast or whatever. And they're struggling. It's, it's taking time. It's taking money, energy. They're not seeing the rewards just yet. And they're like, Ed, one more podcast interview or one more social media post or one more call. It's not getting me to where I want to go. Like I'm really struggling. What do you say to that?
0: I have a, a specific answer, very detailed yes. answer for you, because okay. you're right. It's not going to work because you believe that. And there's a there's a second chapter of the book called The Matrix. And I talk in great detail about the RAS, the reticular activating system in your brain. It is the filter. It's in your prefrontal cortex. Just stay with me. It's not that heavy. Okay. And it's your matrix. Have you ever seen the movie The Matrix? How he slows yes. down to bullet time. And he can slow things down and see things you otherwise couldn't see. Yeah. Your RAS already does this. It's the filter of your world. It filters into your existence. You see, hear, and feel things that are most important to you. So it's not that you're, you don't need the one more. You're not seeing the decision. You're not seeing the thought. You're not seeing the emotion. You're not getting the meeting that you need because it's not in your RAS. And so what I've found is that you can program it. I'll prove it to you. I'm just bought a. I, I'm like what Elon Musk is doing lately. And so I bought a Tesla last Thursday. Okay. I'm like, I get me a Tesla Plaid. I buy this car. <laughs> It comes Friday and now everywhere I'm driving, Amy, there are Teslas freaking everywhere. Three <laughs> lanes over other side of the freeway going the other way. Tesla, they were always there. Why am I seeing them now? Because they've been programmed in my RAS is important. So if you can learn and I, you can, because I'll teach you in the book, how to make the Teslas of your life, those meetings, those relationships, those decisions, those thoughts, those emotions, that's what will shift for you. So you really are one away. They're around you. Trust me, successful people aren't lucky. They're seeing things and hearing things. You know this, Amy, when you started to really get it cooking, all of a sudden stuff starts to appear. You're like, it was always there. Yeah. You ever been on an airplane and you can hear a conversation you probably shouldn't be listening to like three rows back. You're like, I <laughs> can't. that's your RAS. It's become important to you. You can hear it auditorily over the other noise. And so it's how your mind works. Everyone's know what's the secret. What's the matrix? The matrix is your RAS. And if you can program the RAS with proper visualization, the ones I teach, you will begin to have your Teslas be the things that are requisite to making your dream happen. So it is not hokey. It's scientific. It's a fact. I'm one of these very weird people that I'm, I wrote a chapter on faith in the book. I'm extremely faith-based. I'm bold about my faith. Yet at the same time, I'm very scientific. I believe in energy. I believe in the quantum field. I believe you in the RAS, the power of neuroplasticity in your brain. So I just teach you how to do it in the book. So you really are one away. You're just missing them because your RAS isn't looking for them.
1: Okay, that's fantastic. So that's chapter two. Like I can get that in chapter two. Okay, great. I I love that we can get right down to the details. So let me back up just a little bit. Why do you think that people feel so overwhelmed all the time when they set out to achieve their goals? Like it becomes this thing that's no longer fun and super overwhelming to them. What do you think they've got wrong there?
0: I think what they've got wrong, and I, I, again, I won't go back to the book all the time. It's just like you're asking stuff that's in the book, which I love. <laughs> and that is this. When you feel overwhelmed, what's happening is the results you're trying to process are higher than your identity level. Yes. And so okay, the emo- tell me more. Yeah, the emotion of overwhelm or fear, anxiety, lack, imposter syndrome, they show up in all different ways. And it can be overwhelm also, is the fact that you're attempting to do something that is, look, look at your identity. Is the thoughts, concepts, and beliefs you hold to be most true about you? It is like a thermostat sitting on the wall of your life. It sets the temperature. So, if you're, let's just take success, financial success, you're a seventy-five degree or in your own worth. And now you've got all the tools and the skills you've been learning from Amy and you're learning how to make this stuff happen. And it just starts, you're like, oh, I got, it's overwhelming. It's it's you trying to turn the air conditioner on of your life and cooling it back down to what you believe you deserve. You're not overwhelmed. Mm. You're creating that emotion because you're starting to exceed your identity. And so there's two parts of success. You've got to learn the tools and tactics of success. And you've got to learn to increase your identity simultaneously because you will never long-term exceed your internal identity, you will eventually turn the air conditioner on and cool it right back down to what you, it'll seem coincidental too. My car broke down. This account fell through. I had to loan someone some money. It's not coincidental. It's the air conditioner of your unconscious mind, cooling your life back down. We've all done this. We, you ever have a, a girlfriend? I have a great friend who does this all the time. He's like, man, I'm in love. I found my dream woman. <laughs> Internally, this dude only allows himself to have 75 degrees of bliss. Uh. And so a year later, you're like, where is she? Ah, it didn't work out, brother. It wasn't, we just were growing sabotaged apart. it. He cooled it back down. I have another friend who's always trying to get in shape. I love him dearly, right? I love him. He'll always lose the 20 pounds. You come back a year later, he's turned the air conditioner on, the 20 pounds are back on again because he didn't have the identity of a fit person. So he did all the mechanical things, the nutrition, the working out for a while. And then the air conditioner kicks on again. Everyone listening to this is nodding right now, going, "Oh my god, oh, this is exactly what I do."
1: Absolutely, yes. absolutely. I got to tell you something. Yes. I did yes. so in 2020, before COVID hit, I signed up for you know Jesse Itzler's climb. It's 29029, and yes. you climb this mountain like yes. 13 times, and you climb Everest. Yes. So I signed my ho- my husband Hobie and I up for this, and yes. I'm not I'm not really good at physical stuff like that. Yes. Always battled my weight, always felt insecure in that area, and I thought. This is something I'm going to overcome. I'm going to show myself what my body can do. Yeah. So COVID hit and they're like, okay, it's been canceled. You mm-hmm. can either get your money back or you can transfer it to when we open it up again. And I was so freaked out that I couldn't do this instantly. I was like, just give us our money back. This is a great out. Turn that air conditioner all the way <laughs> yeah, up. Took all my money back. Oh my and gosh. Then And then my friend, when it opened up again, my friend and his wife did it, and it was life-changing. And so, and Rachel Hollis was the first one who told me, you've got to do this. She told me, too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. That's right. And so I canceled, got out of it. He did it with his wife, had a life-changing experience. And I thought, Amy, come on. You want to show. I want mind over matter. I want to show what I can do to Mm. myself. Yes. So we signed up again and it's this September. I'm freaking yes! doing this. Yes, But my biggest question, I think other people can get value out of this. My identity is not there. So mm-hmm. you keep talking about changing your identity. How the heck do you do that? Because I could be this close to just canceling that baby again.
0: So I talk about in the book, a trilogy of identity. And I'll just trilogy give you Trilogy of
1: identity. Okay. Three things.
0: One, if you have faith, carry it with you into the, any endeavor you're afraid of. And I do. It's, it's okay. amazing to me how often people of faith, whatever your faith is, Like you have it on Sunday or you have it at your mosque or your synagogue or in my case, my church. But then when you walk into a business meeting, you're alone. When you walk into doing that event, you're alone. And I don't do that anymore. I bring my Lord with me everywhere I go. And man, does that give me a tremendous amount of confidence. The second thing is I focus on my intention. When I was a young man, I met Wayne Dyer, who's an icon of the space. And I met him and he told me, Ed, you're going to change the world, which I'm sure he said to a lot of people. But to me, I was the only person he ever said it to. Absolutely. And I said, why, Dr. Dyer? Tell me why. And he was writing a book called The Power of Intention at that time. He said, not only are you a talented man, but you really intend to serve people. You have a really good heart. And he said, Ed, never link your confidence to your ability to do something because you'll be chasing that all your life. It's a tale you'll never catch. Link your confidence to your intentions, Ed. And you're going to find a way that when you get into a space and i've learned this too amy you have a new thought it literally creates a space that didn't exist in your life before the thought and if you get into that space you have you're more resourceful more resilient than you think you are and you will furnish that space with the requisite things in order to make it happen so the second one is i always focus like today i'm confident today i have some insecurities but i'm confident not in my ability to deliver but in my intention to deliver and because i intend to serve it brings me a peace and a comfort along with my faith that it's going to be okay and then the third thing for me is association. It's getting around people that live at a higher thermostat setting in that particular area. I have multiple boards of directors tonight. I'm going to dinner with a group of men who live in their faith life at a higher temperature than I do. And through proximity, they're at 150. And let's say I'm at hundred. They heat me up where they are through proximity. I've had financial groups. I've had faith groups. I've had my fitness group I work out with. So it's the trilogy is faith intention and association. And that trilogy will change your identity. And then the last thing is this. Remember this. God doesn't always call qualified people. He qualifies called people. And so you will become qualified. I, my life changed when I worked in an orphanage as a young man. I didn't have kids. I'm not a psychologist. I had no business being there. Guess what? The fact that I grew up in a dysfunctional family made me connect with them in a way that I never could have. I got to share something with you really personal that just happened to me yesterday. And I'm sorry for being so long-winded, but it's on my heart. Please do. My dad's one decision to get sober completely changed my life and potentially parts of the world because I've reached lots of people and I would never be here with you had my dad kept drinking. It occurred to me this week with Jamie Kern Lima, our dear friend. Yeah. We were talking. She interviewed me for my show. And I said, Jamie, you know what I just realized? Somebody helped my dad. And I don't know who they are because it was an anonymous program. That person changed the world, changed my world. And And here's what's ironic. You know what qualified that person to help my dad? Their mess. The fact that they were a drunk and an alcoholic at one time, their actual mess that they think is why they're disqualified is the actual thing that qualified them to help my family. And so, so many people listening me, why me? I don't have this or that. You'd be surprised that life experience that's just unique to you combined with your gifts, your experiences, your traits, your heart uniquely qualifies you in a way that you can't even imagine to change someone else's life. Just like whoever this beautiful soul is that helped my dad. It just occurred to me, 51 years old. My gosh, someone helped my dad
1: that is profound. And there's someone listening right now that needed to hear that, that let your mess be your message. um, One of my good friends, Jen Gottlieb says all the time, that is exactly what that person did for your dad.
0: Correct. And had they not had the mess, they could have never helped him. And had I not had my family mess, I couldn't have helped the boys at the orphanage. We keep thinking that it's all these things we have to possess as talents, and the truth is, you do need to learn the skills of success. You have to have that. But that's not what makes you special. What makes you special is your gifts, your experience, and oftentimes, as you've said, your mess. Your mess. It's what yes. prepared you.
1: So true. I hope someone really needed to hear that today. Like, you know who you are, your mess is your message, and you've got to share it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I love that. that that's, that's deep and profound. And maybe, maybe my biggest takeaway from this whole thing. So I appreciate you sharing you. that. And it just Thank happened. You. I want to go back to something you said. You said the third thing in that trilogy is association, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I recently had, I hate even admitting this, but I recently mm-hmm. had this experience where I was in a group of women that we were all ballers. Like we all did big things. We've all yep. had great success. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. almost the whole time I felt small. And yeah. I thought, how am I in my 40s and still feeling this way when I've got a track record that proves I'm doing big things and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kicking ass. But for yeah. some reason, as they shared, I kind of shrunk. And yeah. I just felt like maybe I didn't belong there or that I wasn't cool enough. I don't know what it was. Yeah. How do you not? I don't want to freaking do that anymore because the yeah. association and Tony Robbins always taught me surround mm-hmm. yourself with people doing bigger things than you. And mm-hmm. I've always subscribed to that but that moment, I hated it. Yeah, I know what what you do you mean. do? Why does that well, happen?
0: And by the way, I want to, I'm always trying to be really vulnerable. I write out of my own insecurities. And so I have it too. I had it this morning. I'm really? blessed that I get to coach. Yeah. I get, you know, you know this, but mo- I get to coach some really unbelievable people. <laughs> really some people have, big names. Yeah, and, I won't
1: drop any names, yeah, but yeah. in the green room, you told yeah. a story and I was like, yeah. is he talking about the person? Yeah. Like yeah. it's cool.
0: And I actually, that person referred me to another person like him. That's a woman who I had to coach this morning. And it was our first call. And it was before the call. And I looked down at my hands. I'm a grown man. And I've had some decent success in my life. And they were shaking. Really? And I thought, you bugger. And I thought to myself, what in the world do I have to offer her? What, why would she listen? And she's going to figure out, I'm kind of faking this. Mm. And I had the same exact feeling. And I felt very small. And you know what it took me back to? What? Me, me at six or seven years old, that little shy, insecure boy, he's still there. And so I had to remind myself of what I just said. I have God with me. I have my intention to serve her. And I do have a unique life experience that can bring something to the table. But there's a little bit more than that. The awareness of it, Amy, and it worked for you. The awareness of a thought has it lose its power over you. Mm-hmm. And so when you just become aware, oh my gosh, I'm doing it again. It's almost hilarious, right? The pattern only continues when you're unaware of it. I'm aware now when this happens to me. Same. And I actually consciously choose. I have a chapter in the book called One More Emotion. We all have an emotional home. They're the three or four emotions we're going to get in a given week, no matter what. It doesn't matter what the circumstances. It could be fear, anxiety, worry, lack. Oh, yeah. Depression, or it could be joy, ecstasy, passion, whatever. Right. For me, one of my primary emotions, even in my 40s, was chaos. And it, no matter how much I bought an island, I bought a house, I bought a jet, I paid off my parents' house, I paid off my mom and dad's house, I've, I got a big, you know, pretty nice life. I somehow found a way to get chaos. Why? Even though it didn't serve me, it was familiar to me. So I don't, I don't let that guy become familiar anymore. So I consciously choose. And here's what I do. A thought is the process of asking and answering questions to yourself. So when those moments come up for me, this may sound hokey, but when it came up to me, I said, what would I have? to?" I asked a different question. The the question changes the meaning of the event. It's not the event. It's the meaning we attach to it. And the meaning is from the question we ask ourselves. Tony talks a little bit about this, but I think the question part's really important. And I asked myself. What would I need to believe about this call, my engagement with her that would serve me? This stupid thing I'm doing, I got awareness over it's losing its power. Now I have to replace it. What would I need to believe? And what I needed to believe was that I was uniquely qualified because of my intention to help her, my experience with this other guy. And I started just to fill myself back up with the fact that I'm not six years old anymore. I'm aware I'm not six years old anymore. And guess what? I started to fill myself up with the right question to ask at that time. So I would say to you, even though they're going to appear again, I think they're asking that question. And then the last little part, it's okay that you have her there still, because that part of you, to some extent, causes you to prepare more. It causes you to have humility. Humility makes you curious. Humility makes you grow. If you just had all this self-confidence with no humility, you wouldn't be fun to be around. You'd probably burn out. So I a little bit. It's okay that that guy shows up. I just manage him now being aware of him. I changed the question. And then I said, what would I need to believe about me? Well, guess what? I prepare harder than most people because I am a little bit insecure. I try harder. I care harder. I'll stay longer on the call. I'm going to listen more because I want to make sure that I'm as engaged as I can be. And I started to fill myself up with the right answers to the right questions.
1: That is so powerful. What do I need to believe? That I hope everyone writes that down. I need to use that over and over again. Right when you said it, I like flooded my mind with like, oh, I can believe this. I can believe that like for my own situation. I'm so glad I asked it because I didn't even want to ask because I didn't want to even admit it, but But, it it happens to all of us, right?
0: Yes. Everyone. And by the way, it happens to that person I'm talking to Yes, the most successful people that I coach deal with this imposter syndrome. Yes. I'll tell you an interesting story really quickly. Yeah. Um, how do I say this the right way? I'll say it the right. President Obama told me a story once, no matter what your political beliefs are, if you like Trump, Obama, I don't care, whatever, right? Forget the politics part. He said he was like in his third day in office and it was during the financial crisis. This is the president of the United States. And he's in there with Paulson and they're trying to figure out the crisis. And he leans back in his chair and he's like just in a thought. And as he leans back, his head catches a picture of Abraham Lincoln on the wall, right? Right behind him. And he goes, I kind of left my body for a moment. I'm like, what (laughs) am I doing in the same room Abraham Lincoln was in? And he goes, I kind of floated above myself for a second. I had to get control. And what he really did was he then asked himself a different question. So if the leader of the free world, right, at any (laughs) given time, still from time to time goes, what am I doing here? I remember watching President Bush when he took the oath of office. I remember watching him. Say I'm the president. It was dawning on him in the moment, the the magnitude of what that, because the campaign was over now, right? I'm the president of the United (laughs) States, right? So at every level, professional athletes, when I work with them, when they go into slumps, what is it? They lose their confidence. They're trying to find their swagger. They're tr- And what do I do? I ask different questions. I remind them of when they're at their peak. I go, what were you doing when you were four for four, with three home runs in that game in Phoenix? Oh, man, I was this, this. And I take them back to that moment. So the top people that you think are the top people, everything, struggle with the exact same things you do. They've just gotten better at navigating it than you.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. I want to be a master of navigating that because you made a great point. You said, Amy, it's going to show up again. Like this isn't going away. And I think- that the mistake I make is that I think I shouldn't feel that way. These yeah. thoughts shouldn't be coming in. Like, why mm. am I still here? Like I'm mm. in my forties and I'm still dealing with that. Mm. None of that serves me. So I'd much mm. rather ask, what do I need to believe?
0: What a great point. Yeah. We think we shouldn't have that thought. That's a great, po- I'm, I'm taking that from you. That's really Please good. do,
1: yeah. because it slows me down every time. Like mm. now I'm focused on shame of having it yeah. versus let's, let's change it. Let's yeah. tweak this. Let's yeah. What make would I need to
0: believe? Change the question, change the meaning of the event. Really yeah. good. That's really absolutely
1: good. This this is gold. I knew this interview would be good, but I'm like very excited. Like I'm buzzing over some of your responses, so I appreciate it. I want to switch gears just a bit and talk about something else that you're a master at. Um, most people listening, they're very busy. They're go getters. These are entrepreneurs or people that are making their way into entrepreneurship, and they really struggle with time management. They yeah. don't have enough time. Yeah. I, I have a nine to five job and I'm trying to start this online business. Mm-hmm. And I, you talk about these three steps for changing your habits or your rituals to mm-hmm. optimize performance. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about that? Because it's a big issue with my audience.
0: Yeah, and it is for everybody. So there's this yes. feeling of, you know, I sh- if I'm at work, I should be at home. Or if I'm at home, I should be doing this. And yeah. I'm overwhelmed with time. And so here, I'll give you something that maybe you weren't expecting. I have okay. a whole chapter on managing time in here. And here's the fallacy people still believe there's 24 hours in a day. And that's just hilarious to me because the concept of a 24-hour day was created way back when there was no internet, no technology, no nothing. Yet people still monitor and measure time in 24-hour increments. That's insane. (laughs) I never thought
1: about it that way. So
0: like 25 years ago, I started running what I call mini days. My days are eight hours long. And by the way, I also give myself grace on bad days. I'm a big guy giving myself grace, which I never used to do. Grace is huge, right? Like give yourself a break. You're not going to be perfect all the time. In fact, it's embarrassing sometimes to be on shows and get interviewed because I know how screwed up I still am most of the time. (laughs) And sometimes I make it sound like I have it all figured out. Having said that one massive strategy that's changed my life is eight hour days. So my first day, and sometimes I run them in six hour increments too. So like for example, Oftentimes, my first day is from 6 a.m. to noon. And from 6 a.m. to noon, you all have these mornings. Where you're like, I got more done this morning than I've got done in three days before. Absolutely. So from 6 a.m. to noon, I get in there, the meetings, the fun, the family, the faith, the whatever it might be that I would get in a 24-hour day. Why? Because what used to take hours to research, I can type and get an answer to now. What used to take multiple mailings of people, I can text someone or call them in 12 seconds. There's no shortage of information anywhere in the world, no shortage of an ability to reach people and communicate. And so I run a mini day from 6 a.m. to noon. And then at the end of that day, I reassess and a little alarm clock goes off in day two. And from noon to 6 p.m. is my third day. Same thing. Meetings, calls, text, fun, whatever it might be, fitness. And then at 6 p.m. to midnight is my third day. And I've done this regularly for years. So at the end of a given day, I've got three days when an average human gets one. And some of those days are just three fun days. (laughs) But listen to me, the way you calibrate and measure time is everything in this day and age. And if most people check their goals once a year, New Year's really high achievers, maybe they'll do it every month. Some people do it every week. Some people do it every day. At the end of the day, they take an inventory at the end of a 24 hour day. What did I get done? What am I grateful for? Who loves me? All that stuff. What if you did that three times a day? What if you started to build this clock that goes off at noon? Which, by the way, is kind of psycho, but it does for me. When over I am, it's noon. All right, day two. And I recalibrate the previous day. Sometimes I got to double my efforts. Wow, I blew the first day. I didn't get anything done that I wanted to get done. Okay, I got to recalibrate. Most people just lose a day. And so I'm ending up with over a thousand days a year. I have created life extension by the way I calibrate and measure time. So this is a huge, I would say it might be in the top three things that has altered how much fun I've had, fitness I've had, productivity I've had, and a total lack of overwhelm because I'm shrinking the measurement of time to six to eight hours, usually six, as opposed to 24 when I waste most of the hours. And that may sound like, oh, that's a grind. It's not because a lot of them sometimes, tomorrow's my birthday as we're recording this.
1: Oh, happy birthday. Thank
0: you. I'm not doing squat tomorrow. I'm having three. I'm having three incredible days tomorrow that are all going to be fun, but I'm going to have three times the fun that I would have had if I just did it in one day. And so I would say, evaluate how you measure time. And what if you could start to get pretty good at this and six to noon, noon to six, six to midnight and start measuring your time that way. Your whole existence will change.
1: I think my biggest takeaway from that is this idea that you can recalibrate. So come noon and yeah. look at how that went. Did it yeah. go great? Do you need to give yourself some grace? Do you need to get your butt in gear? Yeah. But I love the recalibration throughout the day. I think yeah. I'd be way more productive and intentional. You mentioned this word a few times. I bet yeah. it's throughout your entire book. This yeah. word being intentional.
0: Yeah, I am. I'm I'm I I want to live my life with intention. I like, I like, listen, what do I like about you? What do I like about most of our mutual friends? I just feel like maybe. We take life a little bit more, not seriously, but preciously. Like we want to live a life that's beautiful. And if you're in a community like the one you've created here, what a powerful place to be. The question then becomes like, how can I even elevate it a little bit more? And for me, it's like, this is nuts that someone in 1906 measured time the same way someone does in 2022. Are you kidding me? Most of them were riding a horse somewhere with, uh, they they didn't even have the ability to make a phone call. Never mind the internet and you're gonna measure time over the same duration they did to be productive. That's just Ugh. absolutely insane. It is insane that we measure time the same way they did a hundred years ago. That's ridiculous. and so I don't.
1: Okay, that concept is wild. I have never heard of anything yeah. like that. And I'm loving it, and right. I I think I need to adopt this. I'm gonna I'm gonna see tomorrow. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do three different shower segments. And I and, see. And,
0: and Jamie, in about like a month, you're gonna go. Oh, it's noon. Let me just reassess where I'm at. I love and, that. Like, and it's I, also just a, it's a self care issue. If I could just be honest, I check in with myself about every six hours. You doing all right, buddy? You doing okay? That's How what often? Like. How often do you go through an entire day and never check in with yourself?
1: All the time. Right. All the yeah. time. And then my head hits the pillow and I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened today? And yeah. My mind is racing. But if yeah. I check in, I can go to bed with more yeah. peace.
0: Yeah. Oh, those are the best days too, where your oh. pillow hits the head and you go, this sounds yeah. like a pun, but man, I maxed out today. I had such a yes. great day, day. Man, I had a great meditation this morning or whatever it might be. Wow. I was really perfect. That one meeting was incredible. The likelihood of having those days is far greater if you measure the time differently.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. We yeah. have covered a lot. You have yeah. blown my mind as I cool. knew you would, you. but two things before I let you go. Number okay. one, I want you to tell everyone again, the name of the book, where they go to check mm-hmm. it out and anything else you want to add. And then I've got this rapid fire fun question thing for
0: you. Okay, cool. The name of the book is the power of one more. You can get it anywhere books are sold. I also have a website called the power of where there's like, you know, added stuff, surveys and quizzes and tutorials that you can use as well. And you can just get anywhere you want. And here's what it is. Different chapters will resonate with you than other ones. But I call it the ultimate guide to happiness and success. And here's why. My two favorite, my scriptures, number one, I said this earlier, there's think and grow rich and there's the power of one more for me. And think and grow rich is my favorite non-scripture book. But here's just the truth. You don't just think and get rich. There's things you have to do. Yes, And there's never been a book written that says, what's the thought? And then what's the congruent action that done together produces the result? And so I decided to write about the ones I know. There's like 19 of them in there.
1: I feel like this is, I know this is going to be a dramatic, but this is like your life's work. This is, is. all the stuff that I've seen you talk about on stage mm-hmm. and on other podcasts, but yeah. like in a really deep way in this book.
0: Thank you. That is what That's it exciting. is. And I appreciate you saying that. Thank yeah. you. Because I'm really insecure about it. I hope it's good. You know, It's going to
1: be good. so good. It's going to be so, so good. And I want everyone to grab it. I will absolutely be grabbing it. But also, I mean, I've gotten to see a little sneak peek and absolutely yeah. beautiful work. Did you do it on audio as well?
0: Yep. Audio's okay. done. So you can get it on audio and listen to my ridiculously deep voice.
1: I love your deep voice, and oh, so I'm an audio you. girl. So I thank can't wait to listen. I to I am
0: it too. Well. I'm an audio person myself. Same yeah. thing.
1: You're not an audio girl.
0: <laughs> no, I'm a, I can be, but I'm just not.
1: <laughs> yes, you can. Okay, so we're going to do a rapid fire. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Number one, who's someone that's inspiring you in this moment, and why?
0: My sister Andrea. She mm-hmm. is a. She's blind. She's a school teacher. She's my middle sister. She's diabetic. And she's living her purpose. She lives a very rich life. She makes $30,000 a year, but she's living richly because she's using her gifts in the service of other people. It's her kindness. It's her nurturing ability, her teaching skills. She's also about four foot ten and a half. So she's the same height as all of her students. And so she inspires me all the time. My middle sister.
1: That is beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, can you share a sneak peek or just like a quick peek into your morning routine? What does that look like for you?
0: It's less complicated than it used to be. My first yeah. book was really detailed. I've given myself a little bit of grace. And so um, the biggest part of my morning routine that was the hardest for me to adapt that I'm most grateful I did is I don't touch the phone the first 30 minutes. Hardest thing I've ever done in my life is I do not touch that phone. But my morning routine now consists of some real easy grace time for me. So I wake up and the first thing I do is hit my knees and I pray. And I've always prayed on my knees. I, don't, I just always have. And so I hit my knees in prayer very, very quickly. And then I chug about a half a gallon of water. I kind of <laughs> overhydrate right away. And then I do a little bit of stretching. And I'd say about every third day, I either meditate on that day or I do do something cold. I still like cold plunges because it, w- it awakens me. It's mm-hmm. not really for all that. It's doing a hard thing or any of that. I do do a cold plunge. And then I intermittent fast now, so I don't eat. So I get up and I drink a, uh, I do get a cup of coffee on my fast and I like to just sit outside and uh, have some quiet thought time. And then I'm really done with my first 30 minutes and then it's real variable after that.
1: That's fantastic. Tell me this. You've known your wife for how many years?
0: I've known my wife 45 years.
1: And you've been married how many years?
0: 25.
1: What is one of your secrets to a successful
0: marriage? Intimacy. All the generic things you hear of, hey, we're best friends and we trust and all that's obviously mandatory. But I don't want to live with my best friend only. I want to live with someone I'm intimate with as well. Intimacy can be obviously the good stuff, but it yeah. can also just be holding hands. It can be giving her a kiss in the morning. It can be, I learned it by the way, from my in laws. When I go pick Christiane up on dates in high school, I would look into the living room. When I would, this happened more than 100 times, Amy. I would look into the living room on like a Saturday night, seven o'clock. And the lights would be down. There'd be no TV on. And I would see Howard and Patricia slow dancing.
1: Stop it. Yeah.
0: More than like a hundred times. And um, they were intimate. There's a form of intimacy that you have to be very protective of in your marriage that you don't lose, that you don't, don't stop touching each other. I'm serious. And so I
1: I am constantly touching Hobie and I love that. Like we're very affectionate. And mm-hmm. I think that's important.
0: It is. And yeah. I have to I must say, if we're gonna go a little deeper, I wasn't yeah. raised like that. Like no, they hug. Really? no, I wouldn't hugged a lot, not a lot of physical touching. And so when I was first with my wife, who's very affected, I was like, babe, come on. I don't know, you know? <laughs> and now I've learned that like it's a critical part of a marriage is to touch one another. Yeah. so that I would be a little thing. Maybe you don't hear every day.
1: Yeah. I love that. You seem like such a teddy bear. So you've definitely changed then from those early years. Cause
0: Uh, I I think I, I, I I love to be loved. That's for (laughs) sure. So I'll take it when I get it
1: for sure. Okay. Last question. No, two more questions. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
0: (sighs) Best piece of advice I've ever received is, um, well, I'll I, OK, I'll give, I was going to give you one for my dad, but I actually have to give you the best one, which is that I, I rely on God for my answers. And a very dear mentor of mine who's passed away that said, hey, listen, you know how much you love those children you have? I said, I do. And he goes, can you imagine that God loves you even more than that? And, you know, I think about my children. I love my children unconditionally, meaning my daughter did anything terrible. I'd help her. You know what I mean, I'd this help her is bury what the damn he body. Says About
1: Kay, like you I'm know, burying the body I like, bury the body I'm bury it.
0: the body if I'm just being really <laughs> honest, right? Like I love her unconditionally. there's nothing she could do to change how much I love her and to think that God loves me more than that, and I really connect with that a lot. I have to tell you, I'm, mm-hmm. I really take a lot of comfort in knowing that, and that was the best piece of advice I've ever been given.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Okay, final question. what are you most looking forward to this year?
0: I'm most f- looking forward to this year, my daughter's going to college at Clemson. And so in my personal life, it's taking my daughter away. I'm already getting choked up saying it Weird, oh, really yeah. right there, but um, I'm looking forward to it for her because it's the next chapter of her life. And I think like raising children, really most of the good stuff in life is caught, not taught, and they watch it with us. And I think one of the things I'm most proud of for my wife and I, I lived, people would say, well, you grew up in a neglected household. You know, your dad was an alcoholic when you were young. There's lots of forms of child neglect. And one of the insidious ones, Amy, I'll leave everybody with is this. One of the insidious, invisible forms of child neglect is a child raised by a mother or a father who's not in pursuit of their potential and their dreams. Mm. You're installing that in your child. And I mean pursuit, I'm talking about your ultimate emotions as well, not just your physical achievements, but a woman in pursuit of her most bliss, her greatest peace for most ecstasy. You're neglecting your children when you don't pursue your potential and your dreams. And so I'm most proud that when she goes off to Clemson of all the mistakes I've made as a dad and there're more than I would ever want to share on a podcast.
1: Yeah.
0: She did catch she did catch from me and my wife two people pursuing their potential and their dreams and she's got that in her.
1: Nothing better than that. That's yeah. for sure. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. What a great way to end it. Ed, I adore you. I'm so (laughs) glad we're friends. And thanks for coming on the show. And congratulations on this beautiful book. The world needs it. And it's going to be amazing. So thank you.
0: You make me feel good. Your energy is so beautiful. (laughs) And I I hope, my hope is that I see you more because it makes me feel good when I do. So thank you for having me today.
1: Likewise, friend. Take care. That guy is just so inspiring, right? You got to just love this man. He has such a huge heart. I hope you go grab his book. You will not regret it. My biggest takeaway is his humility. He just shares where his heart is, where his insecurities are, and then shares how he's overcome them over and over again. I love someone who's honest and open about those kind of things. So this is one of my most favorite interviews for sure, especially with a guy. This is one of my most favorite with a gentleman coming on the show because we usually have a lot of women, right? So what was your favorite part? I would love to hear, like, if you want to jump on Instagram, remember I'm just at Amy Porterfield on Instagram, get into my DMs. Let's have a quick little conversation. I want to hear your biggest takeaway. I can't possibly get to every DM, but I sure do try. So get into my DMs, let me know your biggest takeaway from this episode and what you loved about it. All right, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to share more with you. Remember, same time, same place next week. I'll see you soon.